Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every now and then, we've got uh, a topic that I want to speak on, and it's not very often. My dad would do this two years ago. We would pull a topic from the headlines. Okay? And this is one of those topics. It doesn't happen like this often for us. We know scripturally there were certainly topics from the headlines of that era, of that time. But we have topics, we have headlines that are going on. How many of you are following this whole Supreme Court thing? Uh, okay, so a number in the room. How many of you cannot stand following the whole Supreme Court thing? So there's also a number in the room. We, there, government, government is the topic today. And this has been a, quite a season for government. We all have a sense of this. We all have a sense of government. doesn't matter how old we are in the room. If we are an American citizen, if we grew up in American schools, or even sometimes non-American schools, they're taught American government. And it happens when we're young. We learn about the president. We learn about the governors and the mayors and the senators and the congressmen uh, and, and women. And we learn about all this stuff, right? And we learn as we get older, we learn a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. And by the time we're done with school, we've gone through more than a decade of governmental learning. Then some people go into government. Some people uh, work in jobs, they go to college, maybe they study government more. Or, or, or as citizens, we all learn about government. The news is chock full of our government. Government, 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 government. Is this true? true. We learn about government. And it's good for us to do this. But then, as believers, we shift gears a bit. We go from our national government being the most important government to our kingdom government being the most important government. Our national government, we vote democratically. We vote democratically. We have a voting process. We say, I like this person. I don't like this person. I like this person. I don't like this person. I hope this person wins. I hope this person loses. But when we go from, when we give our lives to the Lord and, and we go from this place to this place, it's a theocracy. God says, it's my way. And all of that learning shapes the lens and how we view things. So when we go to God, it takes a lot of learning for us to remember that God is a theocracy. It's a big shift. Big he does not really care who we want to vote for. God, I, I decide I'm going to agree with your opinion about this. In America, we can choose to agree with a politician about their one particular opinion. That's our government. But as believers, we have a king. Are you with me? And it, our lens and how we view things is very important. The governmental lens that we're taught for all those years can sometimes be challenging to us as we take on the theocratic lens, the lens of God as king. And we have to align that. You know, lenses are challenging anyway. Some of you may have grown up with a bad, a difficult father figure at, in your house. Whatever, whoever that person was, it may have been very difficult. When we give our lives to the Lord, if you had a situation like that, then all of a sudden you hear that God is your father, that lens can be challenging to look at God as a father. You with me? Financially, if you've grown up without much money, that your lens and how you look at the world will be very different than somebody who grew up with a lot of money. 
I knew a man who grew up with a lot of money. I mean, at home, they had lots and lots, millions of dollars in their house. They literally lost it in one fell swoop. They lost their home. They lost everything. They only had their clothes they had. And then he had to, his lens was having money. And he had to go from having money to having nothing overnight, the reverse. Then you got the Beverly Hillbillies. Remember that TV show? Some of you don't. It's really a cheesy show, actually. <laughs> you know, but they went from no money to money. So the lens we have in viewing things, loyalty, all these things, our lens is important, and it's no less important when we look at government, especially as believers, because we're used to this government, and then we know that God's government is actually a different government. So we have to correct our lens. We have to adjust our lens to see the government the way God does, his government the way he designs it to be. So today I want to talk about government. And I'm going to look at a, just a well-known set of scriptures to walk us through this this morning. Uh, we'll look at a couple of scriptures from last week that I think that are very applicable. Uh, and I want you to know that the Bible talks quite a bit more about government than just what we're looking at today. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to use today's verses. But if you think that I'm only pulling verses from just this section, we're really missing this. It's actually through the scriptures. I just like this because it's a ni nice little bundle of verses for us this morning. Does that sound good? We'll do a little reading, but I think we'll be all right. Go ahead, Brad. Let's look at the first slide here. This is Romans 13. This is our key passage. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, granted by his permission and sanction. And I want to say this is, this is an amplified version of the Bible, which I thought seemed very appropriate for the way we're looking at government today. And those who exist have been put in place by God. Therefore, whoever resists governmental authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who res have resisted it will bring judgment, civil penalty on themselves. For civil authorities are not a source of fear for people of good behavior, but for those who do evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good and you will, and you will receive approval and commendation. Let's go next, number two there. For he is God's servant to you for good. But if you do wrong, you shouldn't or you should be afraid. For he does not carry the executioner's sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an avenger who brings punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be subject to civil authorities, not only to escape the punishment that comes with wrongdoing, but also as a matter of principle, knowing what is right before authorities are God's servants. Oh, I skipped a whole line there. I'm glad, aren't you, see, this is why we read together. You can go, man, what's he talking about? Okay, for the same reason you pay taxes for civil authorities or God's servants, devoting themselves to governance, pay to all what is due, to tax to whom uh, taxes do, customs to whom customs, respect whom respect, honor to whom honor. Okay, there's a mouthful in the passage, and I just want to kind of go, we're going to go back to slide one. Let's get that on the screen, and just for a reference, and I'm just going to hit some points in this passage that, the, that our theocratic government, that God, our king, tells us to do with our democratic government here. Okay? Our king says, do this. We listen to our king. Our king trumps. His believers are king trumps. And he says remarkably supportive things of our government. Remarkably supportive. By the way, you know, this whole, this whole Kavanaugh thing or the Supreme Court thing, and it has brought, uh, it's been polarizing for Democrats and Republicans, hasn't it? For anybody who's followed, it's been polarizing. Some people are ardent, this is the way it's going to be. Some people are ardent, this is the way it's going to be. And I know of a very liberal Democrat 
very liberal, liberal Democrat who is in a place of some authority, actually, and I mean governmental authority, and they are disgusted with how America looks right now through this whole thing. Right? If you're following it, you know that it's been just a mud-slinging contest. And then I know very staunch Republicans who are disgusted with how America looks in this whole thing. Isn't that nice they have something in common? <laughs> right? Either way, I, I want to share something that's been on my heart. Uh, <clears throat> and prayer is a good thing. My dad had a really difficult health week. He was out of town working with a congregation in, uh, in another state. And he was coming back in the airport and he felt his chest tighten up. This is true. Is this true, Dad? His chest tightened up. He drove to the uh, emergency room. They admitted him immediately. Uh, he was having heart problems, and they did an emergency cath on him, an emergency stent. Uh, so he's doing better now. He's here in the room, which is good. Praise God. Um, but I want to tell you, you know, that's challenging for a child to watch parents go through. I had a difficult uh, experience myself in this. You can imagine. I'm sure that my siblings did as well. Um, but there was something very hopeful for, to me, and I want to pass that on to you. So if you go through this, you might be able to hold on to something hopeful yourself, okay? Before my dad, I understand that before my dad was taken into the room for the emergency calf, he was able to stop one of the nurses as he's laying on the cart and just grab one and say, if anything happens to me, and this is very hopeful that my dad was able to say this, if anything happens to me, please tell my children that Jim is my favorite. So I just want to say that's very hopeful. Thank you, Dad. Jackie, I need you to bounce back, okay? Okay. So governmental authorities. Our king tells us to do certain things here. By the way, that whole, the whole first part of the story is very true. Please pray for my dad. So... The very first sentence, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Who's this talking to? Every person. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Every person. First Peter talks about the idea that we're all subject to governing authorities because we do it for God's sake. We're subject to the th governing authorities. Who should be? We all should be. All of us. Yes, but I'm a believer. And the Bible says every person be subject to governing authorities. I'll speak more to what the Bible says in a minute. But every person subject to governing authorities. This is a crazy concept. Some people right now in this day watching the news are convinced that the government is taking America to hell in a handbasket. Some people are convinced that the government is finally, finally a half a step away from heaven. Really? Let every person be subject to governing authorities, whether you like what's going on or you don't like what's going on. Because I guarantee if you like it today, there's going to be a day you don't like it. And I'll guarantee if, if you don't like it today, there's going to be a day you do like it. It's the way it goes. Let every person be subject to governing authorities. It says it very, very bluntly there, doesn't it? Number two, just a little further down. To resist authority is to resist God's own workmanship. To resist authority is to resist God's own workmanship. Think about that. The Lord puts government in place. I don't know why. I don't know why in America he gave us this government. 
but he gave us a particular kind of government that didn't exist in other parts of the world at the time this government was created. And since this government was created, other governments have mimicked it, the structure of it. True? Our government has been copied all over the world, but for some reason it started here. Now we can guess why, but none of us know why. I don't know why God gave us this government. And I think it's odd, not good or bad, just unusual. I just process this. And I think, well, that's, that's really something. That we have in America, we have this government today. But if I go to some countries, they have very, very oppressive governments. But yet, who put it in place? Jesus. How can that be? I don't know why that is. But boy, what a blessing we have right now being in America under this government. Some governments have a very, some people, citizens in those governments, have a very, very difficult time. There's one man I know in, in China, uh, my dad actually knows him, and we see him every year at the Go I Am conference, and I hope to see him this year. He has, uh, a, he is in China, it's a very oppressive government. Very, very oppressive, and I see him and I think, oh man, hang in there, buddy. He's a Chinese man, and speaks broken English, it's super humbling to hear him talk about what goes on there and how he perseveres. We have a government that it's a difference, not oppressive. So this is an interesting point, and I, I think that there's a white elephant in the room that we need to hit. Truly, when we talk about government and we talk about the things that our government could do, uh, the uh, we, we can have times that our government makes decisions for us that are decisions contrary to the Word of God or contrary to what we believe that we should be doing. Sometimes there are bad governments. All through the scriptures, there are bad governments. There are scriptural stances for civil disobedience. Not, I'm not talking about armed disobedience. Okay, I say civil, I mean civil, civilized, civil disobedience. There are scriptural precedents for civil disobedience. Let me give you an example. Last week we talked about Daniel. Remember that? There was a law that was passed to stop Daniel, to thwart Daniel, that was illegal for Dan it became illegal for Daniel to go pray. So what did Daniel do? He prayed. He got up, he went to the second floor, his curtains were open, and he prayed. He didn't hide it. Civil disobedience. There was Esther, was, was a young lady, a young woman, who walked out civil disobedience. It was illegal for her to go to the king. She went to the king to save all the people. You with me? If anybody tells us to stop praying, if anybody tells us to stop worshiping the Lord, stop following the Lord, if anybody tells us to stop reading our Bible, civil disobedience, civil disobedience, civil disobedience. This fellow Joseph in uh, China, his, his name is Joseph, at least that's the, what we call him in America. It's, he has six congregations, and he's on the edge of civil disobedience in China all the time. And I truly wonder if there's going to be a time that I go to this conference and expect to see him there and don't see him there because he's been taken. There is a time for us because our king says, Civil disobedience, it's more important to follow me than to not follow me. Don't stop praying. Don't stop reading. 
What's that expression? The only way they're going to get their bi this Bible is when they pry it from my cold, dead fingers. I don't know if that's a real expression, but it sounds good, doesn't it? There is a time for civil disobedience. And I want to be clear, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about an armed disobedience. I'm not talking about an insurrection. I don't, I'm just saying, if we would ever be at that place that we can't do that, we're going to do it anyway. Because our king says it's important. Other than that, we know there are bad leaders. I bet you if we all had a piece of paper, if I passed out a piece of paper to each one of us, we could all write down six or eight national leaders that are horrible. I mean horrible leaders. Maybe they were historical leaders. Maybe they're still in, in, in power today. But horrible leaders. Do you know what? Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? God let them be in that office. They may be horrible leaders, but God is still God in their lives. I can't, yeah, I could talk about this one a lot. But we go further down the way, and we see those that resist authority will incur judgment. Everybody who's ever gotten a speeding ticket knows it. The authority says, don't do this. Don't, don't exceed 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. Somebody goes over that, what happens? They get judged immediately by an officer who says, I know that you're going faster than that. Therefore, you're going to get a ticket. There is a legal process in the land. We go a little further. For he is God's authority for your good. Authority. You know, they don't have to be all believers. Let's look at verse uh, slide three. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed. Now Daniel is saying this to Cyrus. Cyrus is the fourth king. We talked about him last week. Cyrus was the fourth king in the line, in the line of kings that Daniel served, that Daniel worked for. Daniel's a Jew. Cyrus is not. Cyrus is a Persian. And uh, thus the Lord says to his anointed Cyrus. Oh, I'm sorry. Isaiah is prophesying this 150 years before Cyrus is alive-ish before Cyrus is even alive. And the Lord's saying through Isaiah to Cyrus, hey, this is what's coming. Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that the gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in the pieces of doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in the secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. Hey, you don't know me, Cyrus. You're not alive right now, Cyrus. But I'm telling you, Cyrus, when you, you king of Persia, I'm going to make it seem like a cakewalk for you as a king. So you know that I'm God. The God of Israel, so you know that I'm the one. This is amazing. This is not a believer. In fact, he goes on to say it. For all the sake of my, for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. For the sake of them, I call you. I name you, though you do not know me. Where did Cyrus get his name? His parents probably thought it was their idea. True. It was not their idea. I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me. You don't even know me. He puts leaders in place for us. Now, sometimes, again, I know there's bad leaders out there, but our mission is clear. 
let God do God's thing, we do our thing. We can vote. We can vote. We can say, I don't want to vote for this leader. That is an advantage of living in the government we lived in. At that time, they couldn't vote for their king. Cyrus did wonderful things, by the way. If you weren't here last week, I'll tell you, he was the one who released the Jews to go back. They were taken. They were a captive people. He said, go back to Jerusalem, rebuild your city, and rebuild your temple, and here's some money to do it. They absolutely did God's will. He didn't even know it. Now, maybe he read, maybe somebody heard, hey, Cyrus, guess what God said about you 150 years ago? But he absolutely did God's will. Amazing that our king has a greater authority than the government underneath. Well, that's exactly what's going on. Let's read another example. Go ahead, verse 4, or slide 4. Now, this is Daniel talking to Belshazzar, the second king that, he, that, he, uh, that Daniel supported. Your majesty, Daniel says to Belshazzar, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, who long ago predict, preceded you, a kingdom. So Nebuchadnezzar is his father, is Belshazzar's father. And Daniel's telling him all about this. And he gave a kingdom, who preceded you, he gave him a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. Who did all that come from for Nebuchadnezzar? It all came from God. He gave him, God gave Nebuchadnezzar such majesty that all the nations of the world trembled before him in fear. Man, did God load Nebuchadnezzar. He killed any who offended him and spared any he killed. He killed any who, what? Did you give me a like? You gave me a like. I was just excited I got a like. Okay, he gave him such majesty that all the nations of the world trembled before him in fear. He killed any who offended him and spared any he liked. At his whim, they rose or fell. But when his heart and his mind were hardened in pride, God removed him from his royal throne and took away his glory. So Nebuchadnezzar, God put him in place with all this stuff. Nebuchadnezzar started getting too big. God just took him out. God put a king in. God took a king out. I cannot snap. God took him out. Well, we read on a little further in the way. Uh, in Daniel 5, this is what it means. Now, this is the point where Belshazzar had seen this handwriting in the wall, and Daniel said, now I'm going to tell you about you. This was your father. God put him in. God took him out. Now I'm going to tell him about you in this handwriting you're looking at the wall. This is what it means. Many, many means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign. They are ended. Well, there's a statement. Just want you to know, king, your days of reign are, are, are ended. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed in God's balances and failed the test. And parson means divided. Your kingdom will be divided and given to the Medes and the Persian. That very night, Belshazzar died. The, uh, Darius the Mede took over, and Cyrus from Persia got his part later on. And it was exactly the way the Lord had said it was going to be. God puts leaders in place, and he takes them out. We think sometimes our leaders, it's amazing how they got to be leaders. God is not impressed. It's good for us to remember that. It really is. God is not impressed. Whoa! I can't believe they're going to vote for this guy. God knows. We'll go, slide two, please, Brad. We pay taxes so the government can do its job. I had an old roommate. His father, uh, they grew up in a church. He was, he was a deacon in a church and a board member. And a very, a very good church, actually. But they didn't, he didn't believe in paying taxes. So he worked. He's a very well-educated man. He worked for a lot of years to figure out how not to pay taxes on his income because he didn't like the government. I don't know how he explained this verse. I don't. And when they had problems one day and they called the fire truck, who paid for the fire truck? 
You see where I'm going with this? We have services. We pay for services with our taxes. Sometimes we pay too much. Maybe sometimes we don't pay enough. But we have water, and we have streets, and we have fire, we have police officers, and we have these other services in our area. You with me here? We pay taxes for our services, and that's what this is talking about. I don't understand people are so militant about not paying taxes. If they're a believer, pay taxes. I know some taxes are more. I know Milwaukee County costs more than Waukesha County in taxes. I'm not getting into the politics of it. That's not the point. But I'm saying some taxes are more. We pay taxes for services. And we pick where we want to live because God has put us in this kind of government, in this land. A little further down, we are to respect those in government. Now, this is really heavy. There may be somebody in government that you don't like. You might not like the governor. You might not like the president. You might not like the mayor. You might not like the local alderman. We might not like these people. It doesn't matter if we like them. We need to respect them for that role. You with me? It's very clear. Am I missing this? Is this not clear in the, in the verse? We need to respect them in that role. Sometimes I hear believers, they're, so, they're almost like foaming at the mouth to say how much they hate who's in office. You, you can't even. You ever talk to anybody like that? And you don't want to tell them to the, at their face. You don't want to say, gee, it looks like you're foaming at the mouth. But you're sure thinking it, aren't you? Ooh. We are not to do that. We are not. Now, now, this is an important piece. When this passage was written, there wasn't punctuation like there is today. Right? So we look at the, a lot of the old scriptures, and uh, there, was no, there wasn't a lot of breaks. There wasn't even a lot of periods. And the idea of paragraphs was different, and nothing was the same. So when we read the scriptures, a lot of times we want to read in that broader setting. So a lot of I've heard people speak on government and go to these passages, and I don't think I've ever heard them go to the very next verse. So I want to give it its own slide, slide six. Go ahead, Brad. Oh, oh no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. It's very difficult to be foaming at the mouth about our politicians and just despise our government and despise the way they do things and be so mad about the laws and then say we love them. Oh, I just can't stand them! But I really love them. You know, praise God for them and that role that he's put them in. It doesn't work like that. We can't do it. We think, okay, king, you say to agape them, to have that concern for them, to be patient with them, to be kind to them, even when they push my buttons. You say to do that, and I'm going to strive to do that. I might not like your decisions, politicians, but you know what? I know my king says to agape you before I'm known for my political party. I should be known for my agape. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to agape you. I'm going to pay my taxes. I'm going to do the laws of the land unless I have a need for a civil Disobedience. You know what I mean by that? Remember? Bible, prayer, worship. This passage, this verse brings it all together. It's just not government for the sake of government. It's government for the sake of his plan. Agape, he calls us to, the command of, of loving one another. We don't love everybody except government. The whole world is my favorite. I love everybody in the world. Not government, but I love everybody. I mean, that's ridiculous. Everybody we walk out this agape with. Now, agape doesn't mean tolerance. 
we could look and we can say something is not right by God. We don't bash him. We got to pray him back or pray him in or pray him to understand. Pray him to relationship with the Lord. We don't have the green light to just hate people, hate government. Although I got to tell you, I'm with you. I watch the news sometimes and, and thought, oh, man. If you, if you walk, and this is just a, just a quick aside, and then we'll wrap this up. If you walk in a way, if you watch the, the news a lot, and you get, it doesn't matter what news, Fox, MSN, whatever, you, you pick your poison. If you watch it, and it works you up to a frothing. <laughs> Can I just recommend turning it off? Can I just, really, if you can't, if you can't, let me just say, click, just try that. It will help. I, I don't know. I've gotten to the point, I call them the Kool-Aid channels. You know, sometimes people walk on with stains around their mouth because they just watch those two channels all the time. Enough of that. Please stand up if you would. And we're going to pray this through. Lord God, we do thank you for putting us in land with this government. What a wonderful government we have, Lord. We don't always, of course, agree with everybody, but you put us in a place that we get to vote. You put us in a place that we get involved but, Lord, we look to come to you to align our lens and to clarify our lens more and more and more in understanding your role for us in this government. We do pray for our political leaders, but we really pray for the lens understanding of what you would want, that we can walk it out. And we know it's going to take some time for us to get there, but we know that you're a patient God, and we know that you're with us. So please help us with these things, Lord. I pray for blessings in this congregation as we continue to strive to move forward with you, that we, we would be a congregation known by its love and be testimony of that. Thank you, Lord, for this house. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.